How do fitness professionals who aren't marketing and technology experts build a profitable business? This podcast uncovers the secrets of fitness leaders who've already found financial freedom so you can take paid vacations, save for retirement, and work from anywhere in the world. I'm Kenton Boutwell, joined by co-host Nick Clayton, and this is the Fitness Leaders Podcast. How you doing today, Nick? And I'm doing fantastic. And yourself? I'm doing well here in Nashville, and I hear you're uh, about to be relocating here. Is that true? Yes, yes. We are happily leaving the beautiful state of California with outstanding outdoors, but very high taxes and gas prices. Um, but now we've been to Nashville. Uh, we'll be close to the family. We've got a kid on the way. Uh, so 2022 is shaping up to be, uh, you know, fast and furious. But exciting. Awesome. Well, guess what? We don't have any state tax here, so maybe you'll enjoy that. Ah, well, I'm looking forward to seasons too. Um, yeah, you're going to get plenty of them, all four seasons. Um, but I hear our guest today is one of your good friends. Yeah, yeah. We go way back through my days at NSCA, National Strength and Conditioning Association. Uh, we had her present for us a, a handful of times. Probably can't even keep track of, of that. Uh, even more important, she is a Florida Gator alumna, as am I. And if you don't know, if you're not a gator, you're gator bait. So that's always a good thing. Uh, but yeah, our guest today is the co-founder of Group X Pro, as well as Sunshine Fitness Resources. She was the director of exercise programming at Anytime Fitness and is an emeritus board member for the American Council on Exercise. She's an international presenter and has educated thousands of fitness professionals on topics ranging from personal tra- training and group fitness through business management. Our guest today is Shannon Fable. Shannon, how are you? I am great. Thanks for having me, Nick and Kenton. It's good to see you both. We're so happy to have you, and it's great to see you again. It's been a while uh, through COVID and all that stuff. So what's going on? What's new in your life? Are you still in Colorado? I am. So we are in Boulder. I think I'm coming up on my 20th year of being here. So officially the longest I've stayed in one place, which is really crazy. So this is definitely home, not going anywhere. Been, you know, hanging out with the hubby and the almost 13 year old through COVID here in, in Boulder and yeah, just continuing on like everyone, I suppose. Nice. How was, so we're coming out of winter ish. Colorado is always kind of crazy with the weather. How's it been out there? You say that as I look out my window and it was 60 to 70 Friday through yesterday. And today we have snow. So it's just Colorado keeps going like this. So it keeps you on your toes, right? Like anytime you can get outside, you make a rush for it. You definitely don't take it for granted during this time of the year. Um, store up some vitamin D so that once it gets like this, you're like, okay, I can deal with it for a few more days. It'll be, you know, bike season soon enough. So we're getting there. It wasn't too bad of a winter, though. Global warming. So Shannon, what are you doing these days? Yeah, great question. You know, I've been a consultant in the industry forever. And so the last couple of years, I've divided my time equally between consulting for companies, as well as individuals that are trying to make their way through COVID. Um, Most proud of the work that I've been doing with independents, because as you both know, you know, trainers and instructors were hit hard when clubs closed. And many of them, despite, you know, I've always spoken at the NSCA conferences about business, like despite my, my begging and pleading business, it it never has been like really top of the list, right? Because if you're working for a club, a lot of that stuff is kind of handed to you and maybe you dabble in it and think about it, but life's good when you're getting leads and working the floor and you've got opportunities. So it's been really interesting, you know, not to say I told you so, but to be able to be there and provide help for instructors and trainers that were like, okay, I guess I've got to figure out how to do this on my own. And what I'm loving now is that they're taking that back into clubs and studios and being more successful than they ever were because they, they have a new skill set. So it's been a lot of what I did for two years um, on, on the company consulting side, a lot in the digital platform. Obviously, that was another big thing that happened in COVID. So I was uh, consulting for a couple of different digital platforms for the last couple of years and helping clubs and independents, you know, jump online. So yeah, it's kept me kind of busy and a little crazy the last two years. So the last couple of months, I've been kind of taking a deep breath, really digging into the accountability group that I started during that time with busy women and helping them figure out what's going to happen in 2022 now that 
hopefully we're on the, on the tail end of this thing and things are, I mean, not going back to normal, nothing's ever going back to normal, but, you know, leaning into this, this new world of fitness and, and how to meet it where it is. Right. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. The new normal, as they say, it's going to be interesting. I don't know if we'll ever get back to what it was, but that's kind of life. You know, I think everything just kind of cycles. And I, I think, you know, we've talked about it before in the past, you know, the 2008 session and what that did to fitness and how it improved things. You know, I think it really ramped up small group and made people, you know, think more uh, outside the box. How can I affect and impact more people uh, more efficiently? So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, hybrid sticks around for a while after this, um, yeah. all the digital options. I'm curious with your consulting work, who's your, who's your target demographic? Who are you working with? Great question. So independence right now, mainly focused on busy women. And I say that I know you're a big fan, both of you of niching down and really identifying your target market. And I teach that a lot in my business coaching. I believe that you have to choose a target market that you have an authentic connection to. It doesn't mean you have to be part of that demographic, but you have to have a story or a connection to it. And it's, it's really spoken to me. You know, I, I worked for fit for mom after I left anytime fitness. And that's where I kind of stepped into this whole new world of wow, busy women at different ages and stages of motherhood. And I consider like not having kid is an age or stage of motherhood, right? It's conscious decision to choose a different path. Like, but we all have such unique I'm going to call them issues. That's not what I really mean, but we have unique problems that we have to get past stories in our head that we have to get past to be able to leave our impact on the world. And I never really realized how tough that is for a lot of people to like manage this. Um, I don't know, just the, the plight that women have that working moms have, et cetera. So you know, I chose this target market to really double down on because I want to help them increase their impact without overwhelm and burnout, because I did see during COVID that moms were hit really hard with burnout and overwhelm. Everyone was for sure. But I think just, you know, with everything that was happening in the family and, and how heavily that tends to end on mom's shoulders, despite how fantastic your partner may or may not be, um, I really wanted to help them balance both, you know, the impact they wanted to have with their clients and in the work that they were doing and the world, and then making sure they had not just time for self-care, but because um, I think that's a, you know, played out conversation. It's more than that, right? It's like taking care of you as a person, not just caring for yourself with a massage, but yeah. So I focused in on, on that group. I still do help men as well. And people that don't have children or that, you know, don't claim to be busy, but my true focus has been finding solutions for busy women so they can increase their impact without overwhelming burnout. You're saying that your target market is, is the busy women, but what exactly are you, uh, I guess, helping them with? What problems are you helping them solve? So I always talk about ensuring that you talk from the benefits and solutions they're looking for, not talking about the products and services that you provide. That's how I do it. So I'll break out those two things. I am helping them increase their impact. So uh, part of the work that I do, whether it's coaching, education, consulting for them on their business, putting together business plans, teaching them how to put together business plans, all of that, and then helping them implement. It truly is focused around a identifying how they define impact and ensuring that they uh, change the story in their head about what impact means. Cause many times women have interesting relationships with money. And so part of the initial work I do is making sure they know that money is not a bad thing, that even a mission needs a margin. So even if you're doing philanthropic work and you're looking to change the world and you do it because it's a passion project, you have to have money to keep it going at some point. So we work on that. And then the second piece is creating scalable and sustainable businesses. So ensuring that, you know, that A, they look at themselves as a business and B, that they have a very clear framework to plug into. So they're not just throwing spaghetti against the wall and working hard, they're working smart. And then finally, we work really hard on implementation, mainly through my accountability group and, and some of the time management courses and education that I do. Helping them figure out, you know, the number one question I ask them all each week is what is the number one thing that could help move your business forward this week? And when I talk about that, it's helping them discern 
yes, you've got to do the urgent, important. You've got to do the stuff that's in your business, right? The client contact hours, the accounting, the, you know, the bill paying, the scheduling, et cetera. But if you're not safeguarding a certain percentage of your time each week to do those things that are going to move your business forward next week, next month, next quarter, next year, then you end up where we all were when COVID hit, right? Without a clue, because we don't have a plan B or we don't have the next thing. So that's the you know, the overview of all the stuff we work on. And like I said, I do it through individual coaching. So one-on-one coaching group programs where it's self-learned online, but we do group calls. And then my favorite part is my uh, female accountability group. It's called the implementation incubator. And we focus 100% on implementing because a lot of times all business people need help with implementation. We have great ideas, but then how do you get it off the ground when you're, you know, spinning a million plates in your life and and in work? So that's what I've been doing lately. So you're working with um, small business owners and entrepreneurs. Is that safe to say? Yes. So the million dollar question, graduate Florida. Now <laughs> you're, you've got your own businesses. You're, you're impacting people across the country. How'd you get there? What, what got you from University of Florida to where you are now? Where'd you start? Yeah, such, you know, I love getting asked this question um, because it, feeds into what I teach my business clients, which is find your own way, because I'm going to tell you my story. I'll hit the highlights because it's a long one. I'm old, but um, the interesting thing is like you, I could tell you everything I did and it's never going to work out. I have zero clue how I ended up here. So I went to the university of sociologist. Um, I have a sociology major and a minor in communication studies. And I honestly, I had no idea what I wanted to do in college. I just wanted to graduate in four years, get good grades and be a cheerleader. That was life. And and I think part of it, like generationally, right? I don't know that we talked a lot about, I wasn't exposed to millions of paths that were out there. I knew the world that I was living in, which was I'm a cheerleader. So I think I'm going to go run a cheerleading gym when I leave. And that's what I did. So I moved to Georgia. And I ended up running an all-star cheerleading program in a gym, which was the definition of hell on earth. But I got through that in therapy and I found exercise. I know that sounds really weird, but in college, I got trained by the strength and conditioning team at Florida, the same ones that worked with basketball players, gymnasts, football players. It was awesome. Lifted a lot, ran stadiums, but I didn't like, I, it was part of my job. I exercised. So when I got out of school and I needed to figure it out myself. I stumbled into a health club and I found it very interesting, uh, everything that you could do, but mainly back then it was the the Stairmaster and, you know, I plug in my Walkman and tune it to 97.3 FM and I could watch whatever was on TV and I go to town. And then one day I discovered group fitness and, you know, part of my story too, and this is the sad part, but again, lots of therapy. I, I feel like I traded an eating disorder in college for an exercise disorder after college, because as a cheerleader, I got weighed as part of my tryout. Every week I got weighed. I lived with the people that were throwing me up in the air and talking about what I was eating every day. So I had a very, very unhealthy relationship with food and weight. And to manage that, when you get out of college and no one's like tracking that anymore, I just, I overextended myself and exercise through group fitness. That's part of my story later. But I stumbled into a group fitness class. Step aerobics was the thing back in the nineties. I'm dating myself now. And um, I just knew I can do this. This is like easy. So I literally had a tape in my bag waiting for the day that that girl didn't show up. Like I didn't quite know how this all worked, but I was like, well, she didn't show up. I'm going to pop it in. I got a routine. This is great. And um, somewhere, I mean, again, like the whole universe just conspired to get me where I am. I feel like it because I was working at Sports Life in Atlanta. Melissa Lane was the regional manager who is a presenter now in, in the group fitness world. And she ran a program twice a year to help people study for the ACE or AFA exam, prepare them for that, and then teach you the practical tactical skills. And so Jennifer Renfro, who's the senior VP of group fitness at Crunch, she and I both, she was a bean counter back then, like an accountant. And we both took the same group fitness classes. So we ended up taking this workshop together and became lifelong friends. We're, we're still best of friends today. And um, Melissa was just the best teacher. So got certified, got into this crazy uh, program that she led where then she would let you intern with instructors. And in about two weeks into my internship, she's like, screw this. I need you to teach next week. Go. 
So the rest is history. I started teaching group fitness. It was not my full-time gig. Like many of the folks listening, it was, I would teach at five or six o'clock in the morning. I'd go to my very professional career doing population density studies for retail real estate in Atlanta in pantyhose. And I would slog away at the computer all day. Then I rush out to teach a class at lunch and come back. And then I teach after work and I'd come back eventually became group fitness manager. Um, That was kind of the first iteration. And then, like I said, these weird things conspired. Our clubs were owned by Rich Boggs, who also owned the step company. And there was a new format, Body Pump. He was the original distributor of Les Mills in the US. So I became one of the first 10 body pump instructors in the US and eventually left my weird ass job for a retail real estate firm and went to work at the step company doing training coordination for all of the body pump trainings that were happening, became the trade show coordinator, ended up being a master trainer for body pump. I, again, no idea how I ended up here. And uh, there I was. So yeah, I started doing presenting. Um, and then the next part that kind of leads to everything else that happened is our clubs got bought by crunch and Donna Cyrus, who is a talent scout like no other came in and about two weeks later fired me as a group fitness manager. I was devastated. I'm like my $400 a month. What am I going to do? And she's like, no, I'm doing you a favor. You do not need to be organizing subs. I need you to be presenting and creating formats. Like this is what you're meant to do. Be in DVDs, be on the stage. I'm like, what is this world that you are speaking of? And the rest is literally history. So she paired me with J.D. Beans, who had created Urban Rebounding. And he's this very gregarious F-bomb dropping guy out of New York City. And then here I am, this little wholesome cheerleader. And uh, they had to put us together because it was like the perfect combination of vanilla and chocolate. Started presenting at conferences. I'd never been to a fitness conference before I presented at one. So that was interesting. I didn't know enough to be scared. You know what? Got discovered by Schwinn at a random fitness conference. They were scouting for some new program they were doing, not cycling, which most of you know is, is my background. So I got flown out to Colorado, became part of this team that created RIP. It was one of a kind resistance training program, met John Giswold, John Gary, and Lisa Wheeler, who are just legends in the industry. They became my mentors. And I started working for Schwinn. We got divorced from Mad Dog, which meant I had to then do the Schwinn cycling thing, like create it from the ground up with people. They moved me over to Europe. I helped launch there. They moved me back. They moved me here. So that led to, you know, all these crazy opportunities for presenting and program development with Schwinn, with BOSU, Power Systems, the whole nine yards. Uh, And along the way, I did training. And anyway, that's it. And I mean, it's the craziest ride. I have no idea how I ended up here. ended up marrying a coder. I was a group fitness manager still. We created Group X Pro because I was about to go crazy. We sold that company to Dexco. And now I don't do as much fitness anymore. I do it for myself, but I teach people how to do business and fitness because I want them to be able to have really cool, long lasting careers like I did. And I teach them that you can literally find your own way. Like I created my career. No one's ever going to have this weird windy turny um, thing. I just saw lots of opportunities and said, wow, why the hell not? Let's give this a shot and see what happens. So that's probably more than you wanted, but that is the truth. That is how I ended up here. I have no idea. And there's a lot to unpack there. Um, Did so first of all, did the group fitness, did I always just come natural to, to you? Like you took it and you're like, yeah, it's kind of builds off of cheerleading environment. Yeah, it did. I mean, cause you know, I, we're about the same age back then group fitness was just, it was dancing. Like group fitness has changed so much since then, but I was very musically inclined. I'd been a ballet dancer since I was three danced with the Joffrey when I was 12. Like I, dance was inside of me, always been a choreographer. So this was very natural standing up and performing in front of people was very natural. Never had a problem with that. And, and I do believe it was natural, but if I had never met Melissa, like, I mean, it just screams mentorship is so important in any career, right. In any trajectory for a career, if I'd not had her, like, I don't know that I ever would have tapped into that myself. Right. Um, but I think it was always in there. I was drawn to the music and to the performance. And then over the years I got exposed to 
the other sides of it, like learning about the body and about strength training and about program design and more than the dance. And um, I'm a lifelong learner. So everywhere that I got excited, I just, you know, started learning, but yeah, I think it was, it was natural. It was much better than running a cheerleading gym. Oh, yeah. I I can't even imagine that the difference there. Uh, How long were you doing, you know, focused primarily on group fitness during your career? Yeah, let's see. I, I hung up my last class that I taught presentation that I did where I actually moved to music and sweated in front of people probably five or six years ago. So, I mean, it hasn't been too terribly long that I've been completely out of it, but there was a, a long slowdown period or ramp down period where I was still teaching for Schwinn, still teaching for Bosu. Those are my two primaries up until about six or seven years ago. But yeah, it was around the time that I started working for Anytime where I started hanging up the group fitness hat and leaning more into the business side. Cause a lot of what I had to do at any time, it started as programming, uh, but very quickly became PT operations and teaching PTs how to sell and teaching, you know, personal trainers, how to create relationships with people and, 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 you know, it leaned into retention. So kind of started ratcheting up the the business side of, of my career. That's perfect. And that's exactly where I wanted to go with this. So we met, I don't know, five, eight years ago through NSCA. Mm -hmm. And I've always known you as a business person. You know, the business yeah. side of, I remember watching, um, you presented on time management and I still have notes that I use. It was how you organize your inbox. And I, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is just game changing. Like these, these simple things that you don't think about. Um, so my question is, you know, how do you go from, you know, the fitness side of things, teaching fitness, um, to where you are in terms of the business management, being able to coach people on that, where, where that information come from? You know, it kind of parallels what I said about Melissa, like other people saw things in me that I did not see in myself. And I was busy chasing the uh, pathway of other people, right? People that had come before me. I'm like, okay, well, that that's what success looks like in the fitness industry. I'm going to do these things. And I kept coming up against places where I was like, this doesn't feel like I can do this and be good at it but this isn't matching like my special sauce, what makes me, me, what makes me unique. And I got introduced to a lot of people that put me in positions where they're like, I think you should do this. And the first one's Tracy Harvey. So at Schwinn, when they hired me full-time and moved me out here, you know, I was still in the heyday of presenting, like being on stage in front of the camera. I think it was like mid twenties. And she's like, I want you to be behind the camera. Like you have a, a, a keen, um, talent for spotting talent, mentoring talent and organizing talent. Like, I want you to do that part. I'm like, Mm-mm. no, no. Like my ego was so tied up in it. I'm like, I'm too young to be behind the camera. Like when, when I'm old enough to need the fuzzy lens and like a facelift, then I'll go behind the camera. And, um, we're still friends to this day too. And she laughs because that's part of the reason why I quit as an employee at Schwinn and became a contractor was I was like, I don't want that to be my job. And, but I look back now and I'm like, oh, she saw something to me that I didn't see, but she introduced me to, you know, Jay Blonick and I started working together and anyone that knows Jay knows he's a fantastic uh, fitness person, but he has a marketing degree and a background in business. And so he would mentor me in those things. And he was showing me that there is not more opportunity, but opportunity that has longevity and encourage me, kept putting me in places to stretch in business. And then the next person I would say would be Chuck Runyon. So like I said, he hired me at any time. He's the owner of Anytime, well, SEB now, uh, back in the day, just Anytime, the only brand they had. And he hired me for exercise programming, but then very quickly started just kind of making me because I needed to move into to the business side of things. So yeah, I, I and, and that's my advice always to professionals is, listen when other people are being a mirror and reflecting back areas that you should explore. Like a lot of times they may push up against what you think, but other people can see things that you can't, right? Like I was just blind to the possibility, but thank God I listened at some point. I don't don't know why, Um, but I'm glad I did because, you know, I still love exercising, love teaching people how to train and teaching people how to teach but I started to realize that I could have an even bigger impact by 
supporting the growth and development from a fundamental level, from teaching people about the business so that you can stay in this for a long time. Because I got so frustrated with people, you know, burning out, fizzling out, leaving the industry. So, you know, I just kind of had to reassess my why, but yeah, I'd say those three people kind of led me to, to the business side of things. And the other thing I'd say is when we created our software, I'm pointing up because my husband's office is now upstairs in our house. When we created our software, Group X Pro, I got thrust into the business side because my husband's the coder. So he created the software and he would do the back-end accounting. But beyond that, sales, customer service, product marketing, product management, et cetera, all fell on my shoulders. So I had to learn because it's what was keeping the lights on. So definitely got a crash course in business by starting a software company and trying to sell it to people. Did it, you know, any of your mentors teach you about sales or is that something that you just kind of learned, you know, on the job? Yeah, I'd say two I mentioned I had a minor in communication studies and um, part of my emphasis in college was learning about neuro-linguistic programming. NLP, I'm very familiar with that. Okay, so I was naturally adept at it and I realized I just kind of naturally sold people. Um, so some of my first lectures and my first experience in teaching sales in the fitness industry was teaching people a very base level understanding of NLP. But this was before everyone kind of understood motivational interviewing and gaining rapport and things like that. So that was part one. Um, part two, again, random encounter. Uh, my dear friend Petra Kolber was dating Michael Port, who is the best-selling author of um, Book Yourself Solid. And he was running an apprenticeship program, like a, a very infantile, like first group beta test where pay him a certain extremely ridiculous, large sum of money to go through his program and learn how to teach his business coaching course. I did that. And that was where I was like, oh, this makes sense. This is, this is how I sell, but this is the framework. Like, cause the, you can teach people NLP, but there's no like, do this first then do that. Right. It's kind of, um, blurry and gray where BYS like distills it down into step one, step two, step three, step four. So I'd say that was where I I truly cut my teeth with business and and felt like I had the backing so I could go forward and teach people and adapt a system in the fitness industry. So um, that was a highlight about, and I went through that about 12 years ago. So I've been a BYS certified coach for 12 years and I repurposed that information. You mentioned that you were, I guess, teaching personal trainers how to sell at some point, right? So I'm curious, do you have any advice or, or kind of what you saw with that? Because I know that's a big pain point, you know, for a lot of pit pros out there, they don't like to sell, right? Yeah, I, I have really unpopular advice. <laughs> what is my unpopular? Because oh, here's my frustration with the fitness industry. The same people have been teaching the same process for so many years that we just accept it as gospel. So we all learn that the comp is the best way to get in front of a potential client. And here's the setup of a perfect comp. So you're actually identifying their pain points for them, like exposing them to their deficiencies. So you can come in and be the savior at the end and tell them how your product is going to help them. And then they're arming themselves to say no the whole entire time. So you're taught how to overcome objection and you're given advice like, give them the proposal. The first person to talk loses. Like we're given such old school car salesman mentality, sales tricks, like that can work in the short term. That cannot work in the long term because if someone purchases based on those tricks, it might work out in your favor, but the chances of them being like your ideal client and you being able to do your best work with them, you're not starting from a place of authenticity, if that makes sense. And one thing I learned at any time is that supports my concept that you really have to think about crock-potting clients versus microwaving them. Paul Bedford did a research study, and what he found out is that only 10% of people will purchase personal training at point of sale. 10. That's it. So no matter how good you get, like we're trying to fix the wrong problem with personal trainers and how to like get the sale right then. What he found is that if you follow a client through two to three months, a potential client through two to three months, 30% of people will say yes two to three months later. 60% will say yes six months later. So the advice I always give, it's twofold. And it's based on this concept. People purchase proportionate to the amount of trust they have in you or your products. The end. Trust for some people comes quickly. Trust for other people 
takes time. And it's not just because of them, but it's based on what they know of you, what they think about your profession, what stories they've heard about personal trainers and weight loss. I mean, there's so much, you said the psychology of selling, there's so much psychology going on that the first piece of advice is you have to have more than one free thing for people to get to know you and start trusting you more. The comp is a great way to get in front of people, but how many of us have, you know, called people at nauseam and they still never show up for the comp, right? So you're like working your ass off to even get someone into the comp because that's scary for a lot of people. They still, even though it's free, like they have to trust you to show up and work out in front of you. You are a scary person if they're unfit. So I always tell trainers, step one is have some other ways that people can get to know you and learn about the products that you have and and how you can solve their problems without them having to come face-to-face with you and set up an appointment and work out in front of you and feel afraid, right? So that's one. And then two, believe that everyone's a client. They might not be paying you yet. So I believe that everyone's a potential client. They're just not paying me yet. My job is to keep showing up and providing valuable content. Don't read that. Don't read into it and think that that means keep giving them free comp sessions. That's not what I'm saying. Um, I mean, there's a whole bunch to this, but you keep showing up and you continue to make smart sales offers that are proportionate to the amount of trust they have in you or your product at that moment. And you get them to say yes to something. And then you continue to over promise or over deliver and under promise. Um, I just think we need to outlaw this whole, everything lives and dies by the comp overcoming the objections, getting them to say yes right now. There's a lot of stuff we can do beforehand to bridge the gap between how much they trust us or don't trust us to get them to the comp. And there's stuff we need to do after the comp to follow them, to get them to say yes later. And we need to have more than just one-on-one training as an option. This is why I was so excited about hybrid that trainers and instructors had to lean into to digital products. People like it. It's less risky to them. It presents less of a barrier. I know that we want to get our hands on them, but if they'll say yes to that first, okay, I'll give you that first. And then I can bring you closer to me. So I know that was a long-winded answer, but yes, I have lots of advice and it's super unpopular because it's called crockpot your clients, don't microwave them and stop trying to overcome people's objections. But yeah, definitely got a no like trust, like you said. And then, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of uh, comps. You know, I, I do believe that you need to get to know them and, you know, have a call with them and kind of understand the psychology. But I do think that, you know, a, a lot of... um People are price shopping, at least initially, and they're looking for that, you know, that free thing. And, you know, I think if you can, I guess, really distinguish yourself and understand them, right, the more that they invest, whether that's just a little bit, you know, even for your instead of having a comp, you know, maybe it's whatever, something that's 30 bucks, a very minimal investment. But if they are willing to make that, like, as you know, then they're probably going to be willing to invest more and more and more. I agree. Yeah. And I, and I think sales and fitness is changing tremendously right now. Like a yoga studio just opened up here and, and I see this more and more now. They don't even offer a free class period. You're, like you were saying, you, the only option you have is you either can, you know, become an all access member buy your 10 pack, or you can do like this one in particular is like four weeks for $40. So it's like, there's no class. They're like, no, do you know you want to do yoga? Yeah. Okay, great. Pay me $40. You can come as much as you want for four, four weeks and see what we have to offer. I think that's really interesting. And, um, and you know, some of the free things you can do, like, I don't need to show up and work out with you to decide if I want to train with you. I, I mean, I may eventually, but like even a freebie tip sheet on your website that they can download or a free workout, or, I mean, there's so many things we can do to, you shorten the gap between trust and then purchasing. Um, and it's working smarter, not harder. Like, do you really enjoy the comp sessions? Like, it's like poking my eyes out with a hot stick. Like it's the worst. I don't want to keep doing that over and over. I, you know, I'd, I'd rather do some things that I can do in my sleep and get them to trust me, <laughs> build trust and credibility, and then get them when they're really ready. Right. I'll do a comp with you, but I want you to be closer to saying yes Versus just churning and burning comps every day that, again, I'm all about 
let's sidestep overwhelm and burnout. And I think the comp really burns out personal trainers. Yeah. It's funny you say that the yoga thing, even like going, there's a studio right by my house and I actually joined it, you know, I want to learn how to do, but they had a $25 two week trial mm-hmm. and guess what? Instructors were great. And I joined up and then even yeah. going back to the comp, you know, I used to do a lot of comps and probably you too, Nick, I'd like to hear your take on this, but like a lot of pre-sessions, but what I found was that when there's nothing at stake, right, there's no investment, whether that's the $25 or not, then the people who made those investments, guess what? They always normally purchase again versus somebody like you're saying that you comp something, you may never see them again or hear back from them. Or even just make the comp simpler. So one of the things we rolled out at any time was and anytime set up differently than a lot of clubs where, where you all probably work. But during the sales process, the salesperson would, I mean, I'll shortcut the conversation. They would end up giving them a get started plan. And there were four to choose from because most people fall into one of four buckets. Now, there are special cases, right, with limitations, et cetera. But most people fall into one of four buckets. So they get a getting started plan. And then the you know, the carrot that the salesperson would dangle would be like, this is yours for free. And a trainer is going to phone you and email you and follow up and see if you have any questions about it. And if you want, you can meet with them and they'll customize this plan for you. But the cool thing was like the number of people that would say yes to doing it when they were already given something free before greatly increased right? Because it wasn't code. Members are not dumb. When a salesperson goes, oh, and guess what? For signing up today, you get three comp sessions with a trainer. They've heard this before. They know that is code for you're going to come to a comp session and I'm going to try to sell you, right? And if they don't trust themselves to say no, they just abort. They just don't go. But because we gave them something free and there was value attached to the comp session. It wasn't just come meet the trainer, let them try to talk you into training. It was the goal of this half hour session is to take this plan and make sure you know how to do it and customize it. And then they followed up again. So we use Paul Bedford's research, right? They kept following up for up to three months, offering to update that workout for 90 days. Conversion rates, right? When people actually ran the play, And it made the work easier for a trainer because the trainer wasn't having to come up with a customized workout every time someone showed up, they were working off a template. So they were still showing up and, you know, uh, creating the relationship, but they weren't having to start from ground zero and, you know, waste their brain cells on the same thing over and over and over. They could concentrate on the most important part, which is creating the relationship. Going back to kind of the comps and, you know, I guess lead magnets. I feel like that's kind of what we're really talking about here. Um, Do you, do you feel like it's better to have maybe something that is not uh, one-on-one related for the lead magnet? Cause you kind of brought up like having a free guide or maybe a free workout blueprint, like we were talking about. So I'm just curious, like what lead magnets you feel like are are the most effective that you've seen? Sure. So lead magnet for me needs to tick a few boxes. It has to have zero barriers. And when we talk about barriers, that's not just money. That is the barrier that we see, but we have to look at it through our clients' eyes. So what are other barriers that they might perceive? Having to interact with you to get the good, (laughs) having to jump through any hoops to get the good, and then it needed to be facilitated by anyone else. So I don't really care what the freebie is, as long as it's available online without having to talk to you. Does that make sense? So that's why I said like a tip sheet or a free, it might be a free workout blueprint. that's just a written workout, or it could be video supported free workout, or it could be yeah, any of a number of things. Email sequence. An email sequence. Yeah. But it's gotta be something that gives them value. It's got to deliver the solution that they're after, but it can't, I mean, it needs to showcase your value and your competence and your brilliance and your personality and what it would be like to work with you, but they can't need to call you, email, or schedule something with you. They just need to give you their email address to get the thing. And it should be really easy to get the thing. So like with my business coaching, my freebie, Nick mentioned, uh, I love talking about time management. And I think that's one of the first things that entrepreneurs and small business owners miss is really understanding time management. So my freebie, you can get on my website, you put your email in and you get access to the TBD technique, which, which is a worksheet and a 12 minute video that completely explains how to make use of this worksheet and then, you know, activate it in your life and, and utilize the thing. You have to talk to me. You have to find me. 
you know, right. You just, you get it. And then I follow up with you in an email drip campaign that's automated. So I'm not trading my time or my energy for it, but I continue to show up and give you a little bit more with each email in the drip campaign and eventually dangle some other offer of free webinars or something else that you might want to do with me. But that's the biggest thing. You know, I don't care if it's one-on-one or what, but it's got to be something that presents no barrier, but demonstrates in high quality, your value to them and what it would be like to work with you. Yeah. More effort in the freebie for sure. <laughs> All right. So I want to transition back because we're running, running short on time. So at what point do you get the idea of building group X pro and you just tell us a little bit about what, what that software is. Does. Again, like, crazy ass thing to happen. I don't, I don't know. So I was a group fitness manager and I was working at a very large health club. And I think I had like a hundred instructors. It was ridiculous. And I came home one day, like I vividly remember this conversation. I came home to my husband. This is the best way to build a product is like, I am the target market. I had the problem. He had the solution. I had, I had the framework for the solution. He could actually make it happen because he is a developer and he slept in my bed. So I was like, if you don't help me organize subs and communicate with these people, I'm going to lose my mind and quit my job because this has become untenable. It's impossible to do this via email with reply all. And so we started wireframing what it would be. So Group X Pro is a group fitness management software. It manages the back end and the front end of your system. It allows you to communicate with your instructors. It allows you to manage the sub process, uh, allows you to build the schedule, display the schedule to your members, track attendance, do all kinds of reporting on the back end. No more, you know, email, no more uh, Excel spreadsheets for your phone sheet. Now, in all fairness, we sold it to Daxco three years ago. So I think it still does all that, but that's what it did in the beginning. And it truly came out of a need where I was like, I'm going to lose my mind. The cool thing is once he built it, I had already been presenting and writing on group fitness management. So on the business of group fitness. And so I had a built-in network to say, Hey, do you want to try this and see what you think? And then it just kind of spread like wildfire. So we ran it for 13 years and we sold it to Dexco and I stayed on at Dexco for a couple of years as a product manager and in product marketing as a consultant, which was super fun to like learn the whole soft, like real software business in the fitness industry. But yeah, another one of those things where you look back and you're like, I don't know how we did this, but that was pretty cool. And even cooler to be able to sell it and say that you did that with, with your husband. So yeah, it's kind of, you know, the coolest thing that's happened in my career, I think. So you saw a need and I think luck, opportunity, preparation all kind of came together. That's amazing. So now let's transition to Sunshine Fitness Resources. Mm-hmm. What what prompted that move? What made you want to start working mm-hmm. with FitPros and consulting with them? Yeah, so Sunshine Fitness Resources is actually my original company name when I was a trainer and a group fitness instructor. It stuck with me. It's kind of funny. I've shortened it to SF Resources. I married a fable, so it all worked out really, really well. <laughs> um, right? Another love. <laughs> yeah. And um, originally, SFR, from the consulting side, I saw a need to help fitness instructors that wanted to be more. And I say be more, not with like being a fitness instructor isn't good enough, but they either wanted to be a manager or they wanted to make their own DVD or they wanted to get into presenting. And, you know, 20 years ago, that was a lot of people's trajectory. Like they thought that is what you needed to do to be successful. So my original consulting was all around that, helping people chart their career path. Then that has transitioned in the last 10 years to be less about presenting, et cetera, and more about striking out on your own and manifesting your idea, whatever that idea is. Um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to help someone start a studio, but I more like Kenton said, it's, it's more the individual sole proprietor that has an idea or concept and is going to hang up their shingle on the web and do their thing. But yeah, so same idea as it always was, but now it's a little more broad with um, helping folks get their idea out into the world and do it in a way that resonates with them. That's authentic with them. And, you know, not having to follow anyone else's path. So that's where I spend most of my time. Now, so that kind of brings us front and center to where you're at now. So your expertise is on, you know, business management, um, helping people get better, but it's, it sounds like it's focused on busy, hardworking women. Mm-hmm. Where did that target come from? How did you just determine that's what you wanted to, to do and, and those kind of people to help? 
Yeah. I'd say it's two prong. And I mentioned this a, a, a little bit earlier. Um, I worked with Fit for Mom for a few years, and that is a franchise built around exercise programs for moms with kids in strollers, or that's where it started. And all women. So busy women with multiple children, multiple ages and stages of motherhood that buy into a franchise concept and run the whole thing from soup to nuts. Usually maybe one to two other instructors, no support staff, no nothing. So it was really an interesting juxtaposition coming from any time where, you know, these owners had more significant wealth. I'm not going to, I mean, you don't have to have a ton of money to open at any time, but it's a big chunk of change. Like you've got to go get a loan to make this happen. You've got to deal in real estate. You've got to put out loans. I, I mean, there's just higher uh, threshold to entry, but they also usually have employees and they have people that help them and infrastructure to then take it. And, you know, these ladies had the same desire to impact people's lives, but with far less resource, both human resource and capital. And I got really sad a lot of the time because I would watch them struggle, not necessarily with, I mean, I can fix anyone on the business side, right? That's just tactical, practical. They didn't struggle with the business side. They struggled with not taking care of themselves, wanting to contribute to their families, but not wanting to be away from their kids, feeling like they were failing in every area of their life. And if, and when they had to shut shop, it's because their work-life balance felt very off kilter, which there is no such thing as work-life balance, but like they really couldn't see a way past what that felt like. So that was the impetus where I'm like, I can help you with this, but they couldn't see a way out. Like they were, they were just trapped. So uh, another one of the gals that was on the executive team with me, we, we left at about the same time and she does similar work helping women with business plans kind of get past the, and I don't want to say I help with the psychology, part because I'm not a therapist, but it's a self-help group for women. Oh, you had a degree in psychology. <laughs> sociology. Oh, um, sociology. Yeah. So maybe you yeah. are, I would argue you yeah. might. But yeah. I, I think it was really that. And, and then also living through it myself. Like I used to travel 40 and 40 to 45 weeks out of the year. I was gone every week when I was, um, you know, when I had, before I had a kiddo and after, and, and I didn't struggle with the work-life balance. I struggled with what other people thought about the way I was putting my life together. And I wanted to help other women realize that as long as you are okay with your decisions, your partner is okay with your decisions, then your kid will be okay with your decisions and screw the rest of the world. Um, because I think that's going to be the biggest thing that's going to help women bridge the gap, right? Like it's, it's some of it's institutionalized, some of it's anthropological, but a lot of it is us putting a lot of pressure on ourselves to, you know, honor how we're feeling. But a lot of that is reflected to us from other people that are judging us unnecessarily way more than two guys ever wanted to get into. I can imagine, but um, that's why I did it. I'm like, women have a lot to offer. They just have to get out of their own way a lot of times. And I have some, I have some resources that can help them get out of their own way. So it sounds like, I think like most people that find their expertise, it's, you know, you come across it, but it's also personal to you. You know, you have the, I can relate. I've done this. Now I can help you. So that's yeah. awesome. Perfect. Ken, are you ready to transition to some rapid fire questions? I am, but I got a couple of questions about what she was just talking about, and then we can move into that. I know, you know, you were talking about working with busy, you know, moms and things like that, but was there, did you have some kind of aha moment, I guess, where you realized that, hey, you know, these are the people I want to help. Was there some problem that you had or that maybe, you know, just something that a light bulb clicked for you and you were just like, this is it, you know, these are the right people for me. I think it was that you, both of those stories that I just told, it was personal, but it was also the fit for mom thing. And then I think re really during COVID watching personal friends really struggling to stay afloat and a lot of them just exiting the workforce, whether that was at or a job where they went and they were employed by somewhere else, or they quit teaching or they quit training. It broke my heart. And I knew I wanted to get back into helping people with business as more of a focus versus the companies, um, because I knew that fitness professionals needed it. Uh, but I was just, they were like, I think sometimes your target market comes to you too, where they kept showing up and asking for help. And I was having this real like broken heart moment where I was like, 
okay, I just have to double down and focus on these people because it's not that I don't want to help men. I, I still help them through my group training programs and everything, but um, I firmly just circle back around where we start. I firmly believe that you have to decide who your people are, who are you put on this earth to serve. And right now at this moment in time, it is women just like me who have kids super busy, have a lot to offer to the world, but just need some other people to hold them accountable and tell them it's okay. Yeah. So it, it was twofold, no real aha moment, just a lot of things that led to it. And then I just chose to double down on it because it was, yeah. it was a Okay. I got you. And other question about that is uh, how does it make you feel, you know, whenever somebody, you know, goes through your coaching or your courses and things like that, and you see them change? Oh my gosh. I mean, that's when you know that you've chosen the right target market and the right work, right? Is that it totally fills you up from the ground up. That's why I say you have to have a why. If you cannot articulate why you chose the target market you did, and you can't articulate why you're passionate about the benefits that you provide and the way that you provide it, then you need to check yourself because you might be just skating for market opportunity versus really being authentic. And if we circle back around our sales conversation, people can see through that shit like straight away, right? Like I know when you're authentic and when you're not. Um, but to answer your question more succinctly, it fills me up to see women like just kick ass that a year ago didn't think that they could like, didn't think they could manage it. So yeah, I look forward to our group calls and our we're on Slack together. My accountability group, we have a Slack channel together and then we do monthly calls and quarterly business planning and every, and then we talk on Voxer all the time. So it just, yeah, it, it makes for, it's made COVID a lot better. We'll put it that way. <laughs> I got you. Last question about that. So with your, do you have any, I guess, I know you do a lot of coaching, but do you have any flagship products or things that are hands off? Yeah, totally. Um, so the freebie TBD is my favorite, but I also have a self-paced course called the TBD technique. And that is about helping you find your time. That's one of my favorite self-paced courses that you can go through. It's a quick one. It's like two and a half hours, three hours. And what it does is it helps you identify how big is your container? You'll hear me say that a lot. Like how big is your container? How big do you want it to be? And then how do you Tetris inside of that container? And then the other one that is self-paced is called self-promotion, find your people. And it's all about offline marketing because I love social media. Don't get me wrong, but you were asking, you know, what I like to teach personal trainers. Like if you would get back to the basics of networking, direct outreach, referrals, speaking, writing, and the web, you'd be fine. <laughs> what like, about cold calling? No, I don't believe in cold calling. <laughs> that goes in direct outreach, but there's a formula for I'm joking. cold calling. <laughs> Um, but you know, God bless, learn how to do a reel. That's great, but that's not going to transform your business, right? You've got to learn how to do these six things. It's what my whole business career has been built around. Um, so that's another program that I really appreciate the, the self-promotion program. All right. Well, I'm going to get into these rapid fire questions. So, and then I'll transition back to Nick and we can wrap up and, you know, you can tell our listeners, uh, how to get in touch with you. First question is what was the uh, biggest challenge in your career and how'd you overcome it? Let me see. I mean, it's kind of personal and professional. Um, Nick knows the story. I suffered through major infertility problems, multiple miscarriages, all while being a very public person in this industry and traveling. So there was a lot of, there's a lot packed in there. But when I finally got pregnant, about six months into my pregnancy, I went to the doctor and was told, you're going to the hospital right now and you're not going to leave until you have your baby. So I, I like to say personally and professionally, like I was stuck in a hospital bed for 73 days. This person has been exercising since they were three. That threw me for a loop. But from a business perspective, I'd say this was the other reason why I really started thinking about business from a different place. Um, my life was presenting and working with clients and teaching classes. I had no plan B. And I still had 10 weeks before I knew that I needed <laughs> to, to wrap it up and figure out how to be, you know, on maternity leave. But, you know, I had eight shows. I had all these classes and clients that I had to ditch. Um, it was a really hard time. And I mean, I don't know how I overcame it. I didn't really have a choice, right? I had to lay there. So I think somebody was trying to teach me something. Um, had a great partner and a great network that started to feed me again, like I said, like telling me what I could do that would have, would be a value to them, even without my body as my vessel or my product. So that I, I would say that that really was the turning point where I took myself more seriously as a business person and stopped relying on sweating and spandex. So yeah, that was tough. <laughs> but good times. Very, okay. Next question. 
What do you think is the key to having a profitable fitness business? Multiple revenue streams. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'll explain it, not just multiple revenue streams. Like I think when, when I say that people go, oh yeah, I'll get involved in MLM and I'll sell, you know, Advocare or something on the side. Multiple Are you talking about layered services maybe? Is that what we're getting at? Layered services. Yeah. I call it a sales cycle when I teach my courses and, you know, you can have as many as you want, but not only it, it's just a great strategy because if you're only trading time for money, my only product is I train one-on-one. The only way you can add to how much you're making is to either add hours to your week or change your prices. It's a flawed system. Like you can't do that forever. You can, but you're going to go crazy. So having a layered approach to it, where whether it's group, digital, you've got to have some other product that you offer that doesn't always require you to do one-on-one for X number of dollars. And if you can figure out one of those layers to be something that you make money in your sleep, even better, you know, I'm not going to dog on MLMs. Lots of people have made tons of money on MLMs, but there are other ways to make money in your sleep. Like you were asking me, what are my flagship products that you don't have to work with me on? I have self-paced products, group training products, one-on-one training products, and I can sell them all. You take the one that, that meets your needs, but I've always got, it's like playing the stock market. You've always got some stuff rolling. Diversification. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great answer. Um, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see, you know, other fitness professionals making and, you know, what do you think prevents most, most coaches from being successful? I'd say this is going to be a weird answer. I think the number one mistake we make is believing that we can do it forever in the same way without embracing and leaning into innovation. That's one. How do you fix it? You have to really understand innovation and know that innovation isn't just creating a new package or a new promotion, that innovation requires iteration, elimination, and generation. So you can tweak things that you're doing to stay relevant. Sometimes you've got to get rid of your zombies, even though you've been doing them forever. You have to eliminate, clean out the closet every once in a while. And you have to be experimenting generating new ideas that you put out into the world, experiment, plan to fail fast. But if you're not doing these tiny little experiments, you are not going to be ready when the next thing like COVID hits. Digital did not happen during COVID. It happened 10 years ago. We all just put our head in the sand and said, no, never, never going to affect us. People are always going to want to train and work out face-to-face. Little do we know that like when that's not available, people will try something else. Um, but that's, an, you know, that's a, a generation concept, right? Like you've got to experiment with different things that's going to overhaul your business. So that would be it. Like you can't do the same thing for, I could not have been a presenter for the rest of my life. Like who's going to want to see an 80 year old jumping around on a trampoline? Like, I mean, maybe it could be kind of entertaining, but (laughs) I agree. I totally agree. All right. So what do you think are some of the biggest trends that you're seeing in the fitness industry? And what do you think is the future of fitness? Trends? Um, I'd say two things. I definitely think that embracing digital options is important. And I want to be sure I explain. That doesn't mean that I believe that every trainer or instructor has to deliver things digitally, but we have to be okay and assume that our clients will want some digital or access to digital or for that to be an option for them in their future. So what I mean is like, if I'm not doing digital, which I don't do digital, I still train a couple people. I use Peloton and Apple fitness to give them some workouts to do when they don't want to do my workout. So just embracing digital and leaning into it so that we can meet our clients where they are. I think that's really important. Um, And I mean, accepting that fact that getting to a gym and meeting with someone one-on-one is becoming more and more challenging. So the stickier your product is without you having to be physically present, the better you're going to do Like you've got to meet them where they are in their life, which is all over the place, working from home, shuttling kids to and from kids home because they have a fever. Like this has always been the way, but it, it, we didn't realize that was the norm, right? Because people shielded us from it. The second is behavior change. I mean, fitness is great, but if we can't get people to change their behavior, then it's short term. And that's not helpful. I mean, yo-yo dieting, losing weight, gaining weight, moving into fitness and out of fitness. I, no trainer wants to hear that that's what's happening, but, but it is, if we, you can make up the greatest program in the world, but if I can't empower you to want to do these things, then I've lost like 
you are the expert on you and I've got to figure out how to tap into that. So I think every fitness professional really needs to embrace health coaching, behavior change and learning about what makes makes people tick. It's so, so, so important. But yeah, you definitely got to get your mindset right and uh, focus. All right. So I got a couple of quick little questions, just little fun questions, and then Nick can take over and close the cell. So what's your favorite food? Ooh, my favorite food. This is so ridiculous. This is a COVID thing. Um, I like Vans, Power Waffles, and peanut butter and animal crackers. That is my breakfast every morning for the last two years, unless I'm on vacation. That's really ridiculous. And then I do really like chicken wings a lot, but I don't eat them. <laughs> I don't think I, I'll have to try the. Is wine a food? Because that would be my other one, but I don't think it's a food. Uh, beverage. <laughs> but yes. you can go. We'll, 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 any specific type of wine? Red, white. I really like red. Well, it goes with the seasons, but you know, red's probably my go-to for sure. Okay. Like to mix it up. I got you. Uh, what about uh, favorite book? Love this question. I read way too much, but my most recent favorite book is called 4,000 Weeks. Um, okay. I think there's a different, uh, there's a subtitle to it. Like It's like 4,000 Weeks, A Mortal's Guide to Time Management or something like that. And spoiler alert, it's not really about time management. It's about cosmic insignificance theory and um, completely changed my perspective on life recently. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Uh, favorite movie? Bring it on. <laughs> that makes sense. I, can't, I can't have it. Bring it on is the best. The first one, the rest of them kind of went downhill, but bring it on. Definitely. Mean Girls, close second. Last question. Um, something unique about you. I'm really short and married to a tall guy. I'd say that's one. Oh gosh, I have no idea. I'm not all that unique. I'm kind of boring. maybe something nobody else knows, or just something a little. Oh yes, well I have one of those. Uh, well, I already said I danced with the Joffrey when I was 11. That's really random. But I was also in the opening ceremonies of the Atlanta Olympics in 1996. All right. Well, I'm gonna let Nick close us out. What do you got, Nick? Well, that was awesome. I've got a bunch of personal notes, but I'm gonna I'm gonna check out a book. Love some of the things you mentioned. Um, Shannon, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you to learn more? Sure. So um, I'm S Fable on most of the social media uh, outlets and shannonfable.com is my website. That's probably the best place to find me. That's perfect. And that's easy. We will include that in the show notes for everyone else. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Shannon. And be sure everyone to subscribe to our podcast and be on the lookout for future episodes. Until next time, we'll see you then.